welcome to the show, everybody. It's Monday, April 12, 2021. Hideki Matsuyama becomes the first Japanese golfer to win the Masters, and rumors circulate around Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay. We got a lot to talk about today, so buckle up. There goes that man's jock shot. <laughs> oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh, baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's going to be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. Hey, how's it going today, man? It's fantastic. Uh, great weekend. Uh, Stuff to go into for the sport or for sports. Um, Masters is yesterday. We can dive into that first. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Hideki Matsuyama, like you had stated, uh, he was the first J- Japanese player uh, golfer to win the Masters. Very awesome to see the country of Japan. I know. The commentators, as you were watching, it kept saying how important this is and kind of how big of a golf market. There's like 9.3 million golfers or something in Japan. So there was people there's people up 13 hour time zone difference watching him get it done. I mean, that just goes to show their love for the golf and glad he was able to deliver there. He finished the dash 10, which is great. Uh, finished one ahead of uh, what was his name's. Zane, he was a young kid. Oh, Zatarad. Yeah, something like that. It was something like that. But yeah, those two, um, either one of those two, if they would have won, they would have been accomplished the winning the Masters underneath the age of 25, which is very impressive. Those two finishing the one-two. Hideki also joins the list alongside Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Jack Nicholas, to win the tournament as a low amateur and then win it as a professional. That's very impressive. He did it like – it was like 10 years in one day to the exact date of when he won that tournament as a low amateur back in 2011. So shout out to Hideki. Uh, great – what a round – like what a weekend to pull it together. Uh, you really – took took control of the game after that rain delay there on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and if if I'm correct, you had mentioned that during that rain delay, he went out to his car and he was playing games. Yeah, he said he was going through his text messages, talking to people and playing some video games to kill some time. Awesome. Um, I just had to pull up to remember it's Zalatoris was the guy who came in second, but the guy who I wanted to reference, uh, Xander Shufle. Shoffley. Choffley, souffle. <laughs> um, he he was golfing in tandem with Matsuyama all day. Um, he had a chance. He he had like four birdies in a row towards the. Um, I think it was like holes twelve through fifteen or whatever it was, and he was making some headway. And he was down by I think two strokes at one point. And then hole sixteen, the one that everybody always looks forward to, he ends up triple bogeying it. He gets a six. He uh, he got a six for three hole and uh then it was Matsuyama kind of running away with it after that but that was his point right there that he was within two strokes that if he was able to either match him or get one up on him that was kind of his run to keep it going to maybe go get his green jacket but um 
that's probably going to haunt him, whatever happened on that, on that tee shot that ended up in the pond. But um, yeah, it was kind of cool to see that run there at the end, obviously as a sports fan, it's cool to see kind of come down wire to the wire like that. But yeah. Yeah. The whole, I want to say it was hole three. Shoffley got a double or triple bogey early in the round, which put him back immediately. And then it was kind of, he had to catch a catch back up and it was up to Hideki whether or not he, he was basically from hole three, he was in control basically of, of the rest of the round. He was the going to win it. Um, only, only time that he, he, there was a potential chance for him to throw it away was when he shaked the tee shot. I want to say it was 13 or 14 and it went way left into the woods and ended up hitting a tree and it came from way deep in the trees and came back out, almost back out into the fairway. So that saved him there. Otherwise that would have put him in a hole. And I think it would have been going off to a playoff, but yeah, yeah I mean, otherwise 15, him, I think it was 15 too. He was, he came up short on like two lies, the two holes before that. And then it was, I think it was either 15 or 17. One of the two, he put it in the pond on the other side of the green. You remember what hole that was? Because he ended up bogeying it, and it was, like, the best bogey I've ever seen in my life because he really saved that hole doing that. I think that was 17 to par 5. But, yeah, like, just kind of the hiccups that he had. Again, like you said, instead of having to drop a ball, luckily hit a tree and drop back down. Um, It kind of seemed like everybody in that hole was – favoring trying to hit it on that on that hill on the backside of the green and get it to roll down onto the green just because of the pin placement you had about three feet of grass and then pond before that so you couldn't come up short and try to get it to bounce on unless you're playing 2k golf on on your xbox where you can make your line come down straight down like that these golfers as good as they are they can't do that so everybody's trying to get it up on that hill and get it to roll down and he shanked it into the woods and luckily the tree threw it back out for him. Yeah, it was, it was, like I said, great to see what a, like what a tournament special day in America for a lot of people. Everybody likes uh, when it's master's weekend, everybody like kind of heads out to the links, gets around in, you know, is all about golf for a big weekend here. So shout out to Hideki for getting it done. Yeah, for sure. It's always good to see these young guys, uh, kind of making a presence as you had mentioned he um, was the first to ever win it at the amateur level and then a major uh, joining the list with uh, would you say Nicholson Tiger and Jack Nicholas the greatest Jack Nicholas um, so yeah obviously great to see there um, kind of the top seems like it was a lot of young guys um, Rose Justin Rose he was kind of the favorite at the beginning of the day he was really in the driver's seat and then had bogey after bogey after bogey and a couple pars. He couldn't, he couldn't get ahead on any of his holes. So um, otherwise uh, John Ram had a, had a great day as well. I think he finished six under six under. Um, and he was basically finished with his round when everybody was still on the front nine. So he started early in the day, which goes to show kind of how much, headway he made and kind of going back to Hideki one more point on him is that he finished the day one over and still won 
the mat and still won. So it goes to show kind of how dominant he was rounds one through three to have enough of a lead where uh, how often do you see somebody go plus for the day and still hold a lead? You know what I mean? Yeah, he went seven under on Saturday in that rain delay. He shot 65, the best best round this weekend. And, I mean, people say after that rain delay, he came out like a different person shooting out of a cannon, like just all over it. So it was good to see him hold on to the lead. I know a lot of players say doesn't really start to the back nine on Sunday. And that's kind of what we got into here. And he knew how many shots he could give himself and how that last hole, how he set up, had set himself up to where he could have two putted just getting it close, knowing that it's his to lose basically. So shout out again, Hideki. Yeah. And just, uh, I guess one more point on golf. Um, as far as kind of what our guests look like this week, just to give a quick rundown. Um, we do plan to have another guest on this week, golf related, uh, Josh Mayer. We plan, we're kind of still working out the details with him. So just kind of one more point for golf, uh, before we switch gears here to, I believe the NFL. Yeah. So diving into the NFL here, rumors have been circulating in green Bay talking about number 12 MVP, Aaron Rodgers, um, super bowl champion as well. Um, it, <laughs> I don't know exactly where these rumors are coming from, but somebody had cited that it has come from within the organization. So who knows if that's Mark Murphy, who knows who's saying what, but rumor has it that they did not make any big time free agency moves this season, this off season because of Aaron Rodgers' contract, whether we don't know if they're renegotiating since he only has that one year left to guaranteed money of this year. So basically this is kind of the last year of his contract unless we re-sign him or whatever, because he's 37 years old and he ain't going to play without any guaranteed money. So there's a big thing there. And then an interesting statistic that I found um, while looking into it is that the Packers are dead last in free agency money used from 2011 to 2017 before they finally gave Rodgers his big deal, which was his last one. Um, the Packers have spent $181 million over that span for 39 different players that we've acquired in free agency. The top at the list is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They spent $835 million for 73 different players. And the NFL league average through that span is $437 million. So, Colin, um, just asking me here, the Packers spending under a fourth of the NFL league average, do you think that has contributed big part of the Packers going – one and four in NFC championship games these last five seasons. Oh, of course. I mean, the free agency as much as it's kind of because it's in the off season doesn't get a lot of attention. Um, you can kind of hear about a handful of big trades or uh, free agency moves like everybody out out or like last year was kind of the Tom Brady move. Where's Tom Brady going to end up? This offseason is kind of revolved around Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. So there's kind of two really big, one or two big players that kind of stick out that everybody's looking to see where they land. Um, and that's, and for as long as I've been alive to remember, the Packers have never been in that conversation. The only, the biggest, really the biggest free agent signing that they've ever got, uh, 
Reggie White back in the 90s was kind of their biggest move ever in free agency, but that was 20 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. So, yeah, it definitely plays in part to their lack of success of being able to get to the big game and not only get to that big game, but be able to be like to win it. Um, and back in 2011, when they did get a Super Bowl, I think they just got lucky with all their cards falling right. You had a lot of guys in their prime, Greg Jennings, Charles Woodson, Donald Driver, Nick Collins, Tremont Williams, um, A.J. Hawk was even, or uh, yeah, he was still yeah. there. Uh, A.J. Hawk, Clay Matthews, when he was kind of getting into his prime. And then on, on the offensive end, Aaron Rodgers, when he was kind of at the beginning of his prime. Um, you had, um, yeah, that's kind of it for kind of the big names. But again, those are all big caliber guys that you had all lined up to have really an MVP caliber season all at the same time, which goes to show why they went on to beat Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. But they just kind of let it like happen where it's like, it's almost coincidental, coincidental. They don't go out and make changes to say, okay, we're going to go out and spend money and go and get these guys to make a Super Bowl run this year. They more or less kind of hope the cards fall into place year after year. And it's been 10 years now since they, it seems like they've fallen into place um, since they won a Super Bowl or even made it to the Super Bowl for that matter. So yeah, free agency is a big part of it. And look, kind of looking on the flip side of it, you said that they've spent, 181 million in over the last 10 years bill yeah. belichick spent that in fucking four hours <laughs> no that was that was just from 2011 to 2017 before before they paid rogers so this is so, just showing the fact that before they were setting up rogers for his big deal we never locked in anybody or even tried to go get anybody to come in alongside of aaron and help win yeah so, so for six years then, so 2011 to 2017, they yeah. spent the amount of money that Bill Pelichek spent, spent in four hours. Yeah. <laughs> so and it, it goes to show Bill Belichick, Patriots, look at their dy- the dynasty they had for 20 years. He knows what it takes to go out and get it done. Um, and obviously above him, like he, he doesn't make all his decisions as far as free agency. He needs the nod from the GM, the executives, person Correct. of yeah and craft so yeah it's not all him so that goes to show i'm sure like having lafleur in there now i'm sure he wants to go to make changes but the the higher ups probably i'm assuming are kind of stepping on his toes and saying no you can't go out and get these guys and stuff and um kind of going back to rogers supposedly they haven't released names but he's been kind of recruiting reaching out to players to try to get him to come green to green bay and again, that's just speculation. That could just be somebody blowing smoke because there's no names tied to it. But at the same time, I don't doubt that he's out trying to go out there and get guys. But at the same time, I feel like he knows why waste my time because I know they're not going to go out and get them. I could sit down with all the with my head coach and all the executives and say, hey, I built a really good relationship with this receiver over in what, whatever team they're on. You guys should go out and get them the Packers are really the only team that are going to do that. I feel like if Aaron Rodgers is on any other team, they'd say, Oh yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll get them. We'll, we'll go get them. We'll do whatever it takes. And the Packers just kind of keep blowing them off. So do you think that, do you think that is because we don't have an owner, like a one guy calling the shots? 
Do you think it could be because they need like a majority vote and you haven't really split between the upper management of the Packers? Like, obviously we don't know. We don't know the inside, how that works or anything, but just from the outside looking in, it almost seems like dead last in spending free agency money to try to get someone. We don't really do anything in the draft. We don't really make any crazy moves. It's like, we're kind of that middle of the road team. Like you said, hoping all the chips fall like everything falls into place perfectly to make that Super Bowl appearance because time and time again, it's like one in four in the NFC championships games. It's like, we've been outgunned in talent. Like it's not because we haven't been a good enough team. We are a good team. We just don't have enough playmakers. Like when we won the Super Bowl, it's like, Woodson, Hawk, all those guys. It's like we had a stel- – like my personal belief is that you need like three super, three very good players on defense in order to win a Super Bowl. You need a defensive lineman, a linebacker, and you need either a safety or a corner who can shut it down. You need one at every level in order to win, and we had that. Clay Matthews, that was his best season probably ever. A.J. Hawk was in the middle, and then you had Charles Woodson in the back end. Like we were BJ Raji and Colin Jenkins um, were both great defensive linemen as well. So to kind of throw their names into the the equation, we were stacked like Tremont Williams when he was still at the top of his game. Like we were, we had a great, great defense and our offense was good. You know, Greg Jennings, he was good driver. Obviously Packer hall of famer, Jordy Packer hall of famer. Like Randall Cobb, he was, that was probably, I'd say his prime as well. Like, for instance, like that team just, we did go get Woodson though, didn't we? Uh, Yeah, he From started Oakland. on the Raiders, yeah. So there's a move that paid off, you know, one of those big moves where you went like going to get the Smiths. I think that was a good move. Maybe we let Preston walk 91. Maybe we let him go and try to get some draft capital back or. Yeah, I'd say try to get draft capital. Cause you, you ain't going to get a wide receiver for a D lineman. So, or an, a linebacker, I should say. No. So. Man, kind of one thing we've talked about with kind of the Packers, how you mentioned. So there's some good guys on the lot. Kind of the Ed, well, we'll put we'll throw Zadarius Smith into the the line equation because he's an edge rusher. That's like kind of that's his title. He's not a linebacker. He's not a defensive end. He's an edge rusher. Is technically his title. So you have him on the line, and then you have Jair Alexander on the back end. So kind of like you said, where you need one guy at each level to build a good defense. That's the problem with the Packers defensive uh scheme is they only have one linebacker well it was who knows what it's gonna well be. yeah now with the new d coordinator hopefully he develops either a two or three linebacker system i hope it's a four or three yeah that'd be ideal but kind of like you said we're missing that middle component where there's blown coverage over the middle there's um running backs busting for big runs because if they get past the line there's one linebacker to tackle him. And if he doesn't get him, then it's basically eight to 15 yards before the next guy is going to touch him 
whether it's a safety or a cornerback. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. a problem where you need two or three linebackers so that they're all crashing to the ball on a run play. And you don't have one guy covering the middle third of the field from five to 15 yards. That's a big uh, area for a, a slow guy to cover. <laughs> well, and that's how Penton designed his defense was like, I, I do recall, or I do want to say, I'm not saying this is hundred percent accurate, but I do want to say that the Packers have been one of the top teams that did, all they do is run zone. Like they never really run man coverage. They all, they just run the zone a lot of the part. So that linebacker who's in the middle on an Island, you look at all the, like the NFC championship, like the, every time that we play teams, even regular season still to this day, look at teams with tight ends who, who are good can pass and can block. We get shredded because they run a receiver coming across the middle and the tight ends going across and the linebackers got to pick who am I taking? And obviously it's easy for the quarterback to say, Oh, they're in zone. There's only one guy here. There's two on one. One's going to be open. One's not going to be open. Like it's our, (laughs) and then for the run defense, like you just said, you have one guy who's got to fill back in that zone. Obviously your first steps as a linebacker is always forward. So you're taking those steps forward you're drawing yourself in the guys behind you are backing up because they're in zone. That's fucking 15 yards before you're even making to eight, 10, 12 yards before you're even making contact. And that's why we get shredded on the run game. Mm-hmm. We don't have guys to fill the hole. There's one guy who's got to pick the right hole every single time we get lucky. basically get lucky. We'll not get lucky. Blake Martinez was a machine. He was a tackling machine. I think he led the NFL last year in tackles as well. Mm-hmm. Dude's just an animal. Like he's everywhere. But it's like one guy. How much can you really get out of one guy doing that? Like he's good at stopping the run, getting the tackles, but pass coverage, he was weak. And then you get Kirksey last year that we bring him in. Great run stopper. Sucks in the pass game. It's like maybe in the draft we take we take a linebacker who can step in there who's that both both kind of role where he can catch move db's tendencies with run stop ability like we just need to find find like a freak mhm and especially with kind of the trend of the NF, of nfl quarterbacks as well with the dual threat of uh guys who are mobile having a run a one linebacker system is going to kill you too because on pass or in a lot of pass plays you know, one of your linebackers has to play spy on the QB if he's a if the if he's a mobile guy you kind of have one guy who just kind of floats and make sure he's keeping an eye on the quarterback that way if he breaks that's his guy well in a one linebacker system if you if he's spying watching the quarterback you have you can go cross routes all fucking day and get 10 15 yards because that linebacker is focused on the QB waiting for him to scramble and you got tight ends and slots running cross routes right behind him for wide open plays so like you said I think going out in the draft and maybe getting one or two linebackers I think or like they have some young guys who show promise like Oren Burks and Ty Summers are two guys that are are in their second and third years I believe um that should develop really well. Um, hopefully with a two or three linebacker system, they get some more play time because they never really see the field. The only time they are on the field is special teams. Um, so 
yeah, it, hopefully the new D coordinator comes in and reshapes that defense because that's been the Achilles heel for the Packers in the last couple of NFC championships is just getting torched for big runs and stuff over the middle because one linebacker is trying to do it all, and that's just not the way of the NFL anymore. I just hope to God that the Packers restructure his contract and we keep Aaron in Green Bay for his whole career. And I hope someone realizes that Rodgers isn't 20 years old. We don't have 20 years to get this guy a team. Like, we got to do this, like, now if we're going to do it. So, come on, Mark Murphy, whoever's making the decisions, like, Let's get ourselves – we're great at tight end. Funches, we'll see how he works out. But if he's not working out, by the trade deadline, we need to get a guy. Like, we need a guy to come in and restructure – dude, talk to Tampa. See what they did to restructure all their deals. Like, make something happen here where we can go get a guy because we need one. Yeah. Kind of sticking with – Again, talking about Rodgers, I saw earlier today Stephen A. Smith kind of went off and gave his take about why Rodgers should get out of Green Bay. Obviously, both of us as Packers fans want to see Rodgers stay in Green Bay. But put that aside as a Packers fan and as somebody who right now, when it, right now, this conversation, we're not Packers fans, we're Aaron Rodgers fans. Does he look to try to get out of Green Bay to Go, try to go get another ring and get treated better as a leader of a team? Or do you think he toughs it out and stays in Green Bay and might just have kind of a lock, lackluster last couple of years before he retires? Well, being a Rodgers fan, just listening to what he has to say, how he wants to be a Packer. Um, obviously, in the sports industry, that's – not up to the athlete that's it's a business so if we decide to let him go i hope he does go somewhere and get him get it does get himself a ring but um with him wanting to be in green bay him being the face of the green bay packers kind of even before Favre was even out um i don't know man he's kind of the king to the throne in green bay everybody loves rogers like He's treated so well. Like the only thing I can say is like not really happy with how the organization, obviously nobody knows. Like they could already have a deal worked out where everything's good to go and everybody knows what's going to happen and all this. This is just speculation, but because we, nothing has came out publicly or there's any hints leading that they're, they are close to getting a deal done or are working on something. I mean, it's kind of shitty that we just are stringing along potentially one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the position, especially for the Green Bay Packers. He's definitely up there as one of the greatest Packer quarterbacks to ever play in the legendary franchise that we have. Um, I just hope – and in Green Bay, like, if we just figured it out and said – Fuck waiting. Let's put our chips all in you. Let's go. Like Roger said, he's got like five to seven more years in the tank. Okay, Green Bay, there's your table. 
we got five to seven years to go at it again and again and again to see how many Super Bowls we can win in seven years. Like, that's basically what Rodgers basically said, not saying it that way. So being a Rodgers Rogers guy, it's like if Green Bay doesn't give you the – if they don't want you, go somewhere where you you basically can run the show like Brady did late in it. Like, he only chose Tampa because he knew that he could basically – probably Bruce told him, you do what you got to do. You've won how many Super Bowls. Like, <laughs> lead lead us mm-hmm. yeah and arians came on multiple times and said he's like yeah i'm the head coach of this team but he's like i he's like everything it all it's all his coaching staff his players and obviously like that's something a coach should say no matter what but i feel like it it's more prevalent in tampa bay this past year for bruce arians to go from kind of a he's been on some good squads like he kind of got the the Cardinals back on track before Kingsbury showed up and kind of took his spot and kept them moving in the right path. But he's kind of, kind of his track record doesn't show he comes in and turns a franchise around. Um, So obviously he understands that Tom Brady coming in, Grant coming in, Antonio Brown coming in, um, all these guys that they went out and got played a huge part to their Super Bowl run. And other teams winking at the Packers, like you said, take notes in Tampa on how to keep your guys, how to go out and build a team. They built a team in a year. It can be done. It can, as much as, as much like, like looking at like the Jags and the Browns and the Dolphins, how it's been kind of a three, five plus year process for them to kind of rebuild to get to where they're at now. Tampa went out and they were a four and 12 team two years ago and then won the Super Bowl. So they can, you can turn a team in one year based off of a couple guys that come in given Tom Brady. Yeah. The greatest of all time. So it's a little easier, but with a good supporting cast, any team can do it. Oh, absolutely. And it's just, if you win a Super Bowl, nine out of 10 times, you're going to, unless you're a young player who's just getting into the league, who can go get a massive deal somewhere and make life like generational wealth um you're gonna come back and you're gonna play on that winning team for way less than you'd get going somewhere else because of that winning culture that camaraderie especially like tampa they're my favorite to go win a super bowl again this year like they bring them bringing everybody back and then both sides of the ball and then just starting to it seemed like they just started to get hot at the end of the, like, it seems like the Super Bowl wasn't even their peak. And I know Bruce Arians, he was on a podcast and I heard him say that if they could have played like seven or eight more games, he's like, maybe they would have reached their peak then. Like he said, they were just about to start cooking. Like, <sighs> it's exciting to see Brady. Like, I, I love watching what he does. Like as much as you hate him because he's beating your team, <laughs> you got to respect the guy for what he's done for the game of football and just the athlete he is himself and the person, just what an amazing g- generational type of talent, mm-hmm. especially being pick 199. Like everybody thought he was washed, couldn't even play and look what he did. Like, yeah. It's, it's so crazy to think this time last year during free agency, he wasn't really like, 
he wasn't really a sought at the, the Bucks were the only team who pursued him heavy. There's a couple other teams that were kind of just like, eh, we'll see how it goes. See like what he's worth. Tampa Bay was the only team that was like, we want this guy. We see like, so it's all those, those couple other teams or any other team that was in the market for a quarterback last year. What the fuck are you thinking? Like, unless you had Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, um, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Mahomes. Drew Brees, Mahomes, any of those five guys not leading your team, you should have went after Tom Brady. <laughs> like, yeah, everybody's yeah. just kind of licking their wounds after last year of why didn't we go and get Tom Brady? Because again, he's a cheap guy too. He, he's like, I don't want a lot of money. He 10, 15 million a year. That's half, the, the ta- yeah, that's half of what all these other quarterbacks are getting. He just wants to go get another ring. So. Yeah, and speaking of teams going to Gittin, guys, the Browns, after they finally made an appearance in the playoffs last year and got a first playoff win, um, looks they are really close on a deal right now with Jadavian Clowney, so they're bringing them him to the D-line there. That's a great fit. Uh, it's good to see teams, especially like the Browns, they know like the type of window that they have right now with the team that they got. That team ain't going to be there for forever, so they're capitalizing – on this opportunity that they have right now, hopefully taking another step forward with adding him off of what they did last year. So, yeah, and it's good to see teams being aware. That's good general managing. It's good good seeing teams being aware of, hey, we need this. What do we got to do to make this happen? Because why wait? Like, sports is not a waiting business. You don't wait five years to go have a chance to win a championship. If you, if you have the ability to go do it, you're going to go do it now because you don't know how close you're ever going to get to that, that spot again. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And then one more note on the NFL before we switch gears here, um, former Kansas city chiefs assistant, Britt Reed, who's also the son of head coach, Andy Reed, was charged with the DWI after his crash back in February, the week before the Super Bowl. Um, there's, I believe, a five-year-old injured and a couple other people. He admitted to having two or three drinks, and he was had a Adderall prescription as well. So, I mean, good for him to at least be open about it, but still doesn't change the fact that you're driving while intoxicated. So, um, yeah, he's getting charged. Could um, it's going to be a felony? So up to seven years potentially for him in prison um, given his, again, with the amount of money he has and kind of the face he has it might be less than that, but kind of like we say with everything, with everybody that ever happens, just Sean Watson, all these guys getting into trouble, let justice be served, make, have him serve his time for whatever he did and hopefully he learns from it. Yeah. And then a couple more things here. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, some more Deshaun Watson news. Um, the lawyer representing the females in this case is also the attorney that represented some of the females that were abused by a former USA gymnastics doctor, Larry Nasser. That case that was huge, had like 300 to 500 and something females that ended up coming forward. Um, the lawyer released a statement for all the people who had speculation that these women are making these stories up, they just want money, yada, yada, yada. Um, the lawyers came out publicly and stated that he has at least turned away five cases um, from women who have came forward wanting to uh, like become a part of the suit 
Uh, he turned them away, saying that there was not sufficient evidence for them to join the case. So clearly, um, whatever the attorney has, he knows that it's a smoking gun because otherwise he would like people who don't have a great case, obviously you try to build the numbers to make it look strong, but because he's turning away people, he's, he already, I'm pretty sure is he's got enough evidence to make this a slam dunk or at least have some sort of penalty happen in this case, because, you know, and everybody knows here being a citizen of the United States of America, when you're involved with somebody who has a lot of money, their penalties more times than not are way less than the average citizen in the United States. So you could see like some house arrest, some therapy, yada, 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 that type of thing might not get jail time. But if this was anybody else in the United States, they'd be, they'd be facing plenty of years behind bars and, I don't think everybody would be treating this so nicely as this kind of has been playing out here for Deshaun. And then the last thing, um, Eddie George, Hall of Fame running back, takes the Tennessee State coaching head coaching position for college. So great to see great players wanting to give back. Like you see uh, Deion Sanders, what he's doing at Jackson State. You have a handful of guys who've come back and involving themselves make the sports better. Like having people who got it done, being able to share their experience and wisdom with younger players who are about to experience that same thing only makes the experience that much better for the athlete going through that moment if they kind of already know what to expect and all that sort of jazz. That's like why the NHL in the United States, especially is becoming relevant again. And a lot more players, you're starting to see people from Arizona and California be noticed and starting to play hockey a lot. Like five, 10 years ago, it was all Midwest East coast. You didn't really hear anybody coming out of the Western part of the United States that played hockey. Now you're seeing Texas, California, Arizona, like I mentioned, Oregon, Washington, like there's a lot of people who are starting to get noticed playing hockey. And that's due to NHLers staying where they retired and building a family, getting their kids involved, kind of getting their hands involved on these young kids to make make the sport of hockey better especially for the united states like it's awesome to see athletes really return because obviously when you're an athlete all the fame all the money all, all the glory that you get while you're playing you want to give that back when you're done for really appreciating what you really got to have and what you do have in your life like you always want to be appreciative and give back every chance you can For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have any more points in the NFL? No, um, just not really just NFL related, but just all sports. The state of Maryland has announced towards the end of April here, they will be allowing 10% capacity in their stadiums. So looks like everything's been trending up. I haven't heard any really crazy outbreaks from in Texas after they had the 40,000 in their stadium for opening day you are hearing of some breakouts happening around the world again now like italy um other places are starting to have spikes again so 
everybody just be careful um that vaccine's going around do what you wish with with that um yeah i mean we're still in question times like the nfl how they came out and said there will be full stadiums for this next season it's just like it's not looking that way right now so touch and go we will see we'll see we'll see what happens here yeah um kind of switch gears to mlb here quick for our mlb minutes um uh, just some series that finished up yesterday. The Dodgers sweep the the Nats uh, 3-0. Pirates end their six-game skid Sunday against the Cubs 8-2. Uh, the Red Sox sweep the Orioles. Padres sweep the Rangers. And our Milwaukee Brewers win their series 2-1 against the Cardinals. And this evening, they start another homestand against the Cubs. Uh, yesterday, the Phillies went off of a phantom run due to the uh replay booth kind of screwing up on their end and for me what you said the nl east hat that's the second game in four days that that's happened uh tim locastro sets an mlb record for 28 stolen bases to start his career and the last point to note um free agent pitcher david carpenter suspended for one year after a drug violation it's good to see the mlb staying consistent on cracking down on these guys for use like being a professional athlete especially with how they've incorporated the whole cbd marijuana thing how they're lenient on what you can and can't do it's so cut and dry like why you gotta do why like you yeah. see i'm you see guys like who was it in the nba you see that quite a bit or maybe it's not the nba illegal substance you see guys like missing a game or getting fined or oh man, I, I don't remember what exactly sport that, that happens for most. Frequently. I mean, Josh Gordon's kind of case where he had year after year after year of missing games because he couldn't pass drug tests. Well, yeah, he had a cocaine and alcohol addiction. So that's a little, and you know what you're getting when you are signing these guys. It's, yeah. I mean, half the, I mean, more than half the time, something along the line where you should be able to tell that something, if this guy doesn't get help or doesn't have somebody, a strong support system, this guy's going to go off the rails at some point. Like teams have a clear indication of whether or not that's, that's going to happen on their watch. And it's just sad to see so many athletes just get like left to the side and struggling because these sports businesses don't offer the support like yeah they come out and say that they do obviously we've never been at that level so we don't really know but like you'd think that if they're making these owners millions and billions of dollars that they'd at least have some respect and decency for human lives and fucking want to be involved in helping make sure that everybody's got their head on straight. They're not dealing with any mental issues. Their money's like they got their financing all taken care of. Like you'd expect that they'd want to see the best out of them for their entire life, but nope. How much money can I suck out of this guy? How many jerseys can he sell? All that. It's like, it's like a form of slavery, dude. Yeah. It's, it's unreal. It's still bazonkers with like 
all the stuff that's coming out about like mental health and especially like the suicide depression numbers going up. Like I'm honestly so like surprised that you haven't seen a huge push for like mental health in sports mm-hmm. of like, cause everybody thinks being sports, oh, you're the tough guy. You can handle anything. You just brush it aside. You no, that's not how it works. Unfortunately, like, yeah, some people can use certain circumstances for anger and energy, like quickly, but if it's something that actually happens to you, like that's something you got to deal with. That's like a form of trauma that's going to haunt you your whole entire life, unless you really face the music and address the situation and move on with it in a healthy way, instead of sweeping it underneath the rug. And then all of a sudden you got all this booze and drugs and money all around you all the time and you're not taking care of yourself and the demons start coming out of the closet and nothing really good happens at that point. Like (sighs) mental health, man. So important. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely something that people, when they see athletes, they look at them as like, they're more athletic. They have like more of like that, like part of their life is heightened. So they think that like, they're good on camera. They're like mental health is equal to that. No, they're the same as these professional athletes are the same as either any of us, as far as a mental capacity. Yes. Yes. They're gifted physically, but physical physicality and mentality are two completely different things to where, yes, you can be an amazing athlete, but guess what? We're all the same. We're all wired the same mentally. Like as far as, like you said, like depression, suicide issues, just mental health issues in general. Um, these professional athletes need that, need the attention just as much as any of us do. So, yeah, that was just a point I wanted to add on that. <clears throat> um, kind of switching over here, a couple points on the NBA. Um, Scotty Pippen Jr., son of Bulls star Scotty Pippen, declares for the NBA draft without an agent, mind you. Um, do you think that's a good move for him to kind of move forward without an agent, uh, not just him in, uh, individually, but just in general moving forward without an agent? Well, you got your dad's last name, who's a pretty good ball player. I think he's going to be just fine um, moving forward without an agent. I feel like agents really aren't necessary up until the point, unless you want to get in with like a huge uh, sports, like, agency like with like nike you got to know have an agent that knows like an in with yada 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 the business world of connections so i feel like you you don't really need an agent unless you want somebody to do all your talking for you i guess like somebody who's managing your money talking to all the teams so you're not the one that's got to deal with all the phone calls and texts and Yada, yada, yada. So I feel like until you make it, like until you actually sign a contract, I feel like you you don't need you don't really need an agent. Like you don't need somebody out there screaming, pick me, pick me. Like your play and you who you are as a person does all the talking for you. Like somebody can hype somebody up. Like how many number one picks in the NFL as a quarterback have been absolute dog shit bus? Like you want to know one? Debrickashoff Ferguson. Who where is he at now? He was one of the most talked about people coming out of college, like ever, like one of the greatest supposed to be defensive linemen. 
No. Like Marcus Russell. Yeah. Well, you still got a cannon. I'm sure he can still throw out 90 yards. I'm surprised he's out of the league, though. Like, you'd think that he could be a backup at least somewhere. Yeah, I wonder how old he is now because he was kind of in his prime like 10, 15 years ago. So he's got to be in his upper 30s, lower 40s. And then but... Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. Mental, mental health issues right there. That's something like... <laughs> Man... So many athletes, unfortunately, they piss it away. But then you're talking about the NBA. Are we talking about the NBA? Yeah. Um, DeMar DeRozan the other night hits a game-winning jumper, um, which the Spurs over the Mavs. That was a great shot. I don't know if anybody else got the chance to see that. It was very good. I mean, for us not being huge basketball enthusiasts for never playing the game, we can appreciate a great shot and the skill that it takes to pull off something like that. So shout out to DeMar DeRozan for that shot. Um, do you have anything else? I got one more point. Um, so Kyrie Irving is set to miss another game tonight due to personal reasons. Um, just kind of diving into that, I guess this has happened multiple on multiple occasions for him this season. Um, I guess kind of a question that at least lingers in my head is, do you think he's using his platform too much to his advantage to just take personal days whenever he wants any other job, like put sports aside, any other job, you, you wouldn't be able to see somebody take personal day after personal day after personal day to like, just walk away from their job for a couple of days without and to put the just personal quotation on it, which means nobody can really ask questions on it. Um, I mean, obviously people who have like, who have been with a company for decades and have PTO and all that built up, they can like do that kind of stuff more, but just in general for somebody like if I, if I like for a job now, it was like, Oh, I'm going to take a personal day today. And then like two weeks later, I'm going to take another personal day today. Eventually that racks up to the point that, Hey, you're not coming in and doing your job NBA wise. Hey, you're not showing up on the court every night. You're taking a, a day off every, every other week. I guess what, where, where do you kind of weigh in on that? Where guys just kind of take a personal day once in a while to just step away for whatever reason they have. I mean, you'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that it's a good reason that he's stepping away and not that he's just choosing to just sit out to sit out. Um, last season, he only he played the he missed. I think he only played like twenty games, but all of last season, and it's just like a lot of that was personal issue, personal, and then him choosing to sit out of the bubble, personal reasons. Like maybe he's one of the few guys who has mental health issues, man, and maybe they've worked something out to make it work for him and adjust to. He's a hell of a ball player. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I'm willing to, if, if I can get you for 20 games a season, that's going to help us win and like have you in the playoffs. Take as many personal days as you need to get your head right. Like maybe he's going through something like with this whole personal thing, like you said, with nobody really being able to ask questions or anything, no one really knows except for himself and the management of the team what's going on. And none of that will ever get out in this case. No. 
but you wonder yeah. if it is mental health issues. I mean, he's a fiery guy, just got ejected. Like, it seems like he's a hot-headed guy that just f- loses it, like how he got ejected the other night. Mm-hmm. Saying With how, uh, Dennis you know, Schroeder. Yeah, saying how uh, something being called the N-word, he doesn't appreciate it or something along the lines like that, so he lost, and it's just like, man, you're, in a, you're playing sports for money, at the highest competitive level, people are going to say whatever they want to say to you to get underneath your skin just like that because maybe you, maybe you just don't have something right and you just need to take some time to step away and figure it out and get your head straight. Like, yeah, and that's that's more important than to me than going out on the on the floor and dropping fifty. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. If it's definitely a mental, if it if it's a, a a mental health capacity, like good for him to step away from the game and focus on those issues. But I guess we'll never know unless he comes out and talks about it. Um, and obviously, if he does or he doesn't, that's his own decision to to make. But just as a spectator, I'm just like from the perspective of kind of like, I mean, it's it's different than like like LeBron sitting up for rest for a night. Like, I don't like that. Cause like a kid, like son takes his, or, got, or father takes his son to his first NBA game ever to go watch LeBron James at Staples center. He sits out for the night for rest. Like, I don't, I don't like those kind of situations. And I guess that's kind of how I look at it for like Kyrie. Somebody like somebody goes to a Nets game, wants to see Kyrie ball out. And for personal reasons, he's not playing tonight. Like, it's kind of in the same category, but also because it's just under the personal reasons category, it's hard to draw conclusions as to why, because if it's at a mental health capacity, good for him to take that time away. If it's, I mean, a death in the family, fine. But if it's really anything else, it's like, why, like, what do you, what else do you need to take that much time off for that often? Yeah, I get that being being the sports fan and the person who's buying the tickets and all that. It's unfortunate when you want to see a player and they end up not playing or whatever the case may be. But at the same time, you also have to understand what it takes to go into being a professional athlete that that light that that mode you're always like basically on like you don't have any free time. You don't have any like none of that. And Obviously, if they if they could play, I feel like they'd be playing. Um, like, look at LeBron and all of his rest. Look at what he did it for. He did it to fucking win the goddamn finals last year. Yeah, that's why he did it. He didn't do it for no pointless reason. Like, there's a there's reasons why he sat out so that he could get that done. It's not like on a whim. Oh, I'm just gonna take tonight off. No, that shit don't fly in sports. <laughs> They'll no. send you down no matter. No matter who you are, obviously basketball is a little bit different. Football is kind of a little bit different too, where you have some players who can get away with things. But that's that's all on the coach and the owner. How certain? What type of mentality do you want to have for your organization? Do you want to have like I've everybody's been on teams who's played sports, no matter what level, where certain kids get away with shit that other people just don't get away with, and that's how it is all the way up to through the professional level. It doesn't change. It's all the same thing. So that's all on the coach. That's all on the coach and the organization for. So if you're going to be pissed at the athlete, don't be pissed at the athlete, be pissed at the organization for allowing that to happen. Mm-hmm. 
for sure. Because everybody's going to take a day off if they can get one. Being a professional athlete, absolutely. Who wouldn't want to rest up and take a night off from getting your body beat? Like, obviously, you want to go out there and win, but at the same time, if it's a game where you're playing the worst team in the league and it's like, <laughs> we're going to win anyway, why wouldn't you give yourself time to rest? Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's kind of all I had for today. All right. Well, sticking with talking about the Brooklyn Nets here, the Minnesota Wolves and the Brooklyn Nets, as well as the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues games have been postponed so far as a, for tonight's games um, over this weekend's shooting of Dante Wright, the 20 year old unarmed black man who was shot out in Minneapolis over the weekend. It was uh, stories report that it was about 10 miles away from the Derek Chauvin trial that is going on right now. Turned out um, body camera footage that was released early is coming. The audio portion was that has been made public is the officer saying taser and accidentally pulling out her gun and shooting Dante Wright. Um, it's unfortunate to see this happen. I mean, you'd like to say, oh, it was an accident, but when an accident is costing somebody their life, that can't, that can't happen like that, no matter under what circumstances that doesn't, that can't happen, especially here in this country. Like we take pride on the freedom that we have and stuff in it seems more and more day by day it's like less freedoms that we do have as american citizens it's like they're all being taken away from us and then you see stuff happen constantly whether it's stories of police planting drugs on people to arrest them or people who didn't even do anything falsely being arrested and charged and convicted of crimes that they didn't even commit it's like how can that happen in the country that we like to say is home of the free and it's just like, no, like it's a business, private prison systems, a business, man. It's everything in this country is a business. And when there's money to be made, these people are ruthless and it's all about the bottom line. Like whatever, whoever invented that the business model of the bottom line is the only thing that matters where that's got to keep going up and up and up and up and up. And it doesn't matter what we have to do it's like so many companies in the united states going overseas and using cheap labor basically slave labor to make products here it's like are you kidding me you can't pay people a goddamn decent wage people who live here in your own country who are going to spend money in your communities so all that money is just making everything better why wouldn't like because they got to get rich dude they got to save money yeah so like it's so unfortunate to see incidents like this happen. And what happened last year with the whole Jacob Blake, the um, what was the man's name in uh, Minneapolis that died? Um, Try to think. I don't know why uh, I'm blanking so hard right now. Um, 
Yeah, why am I blanking? George Dude. Floyd. George, George Floyd. Floyd. God. So dude. yeah, so, yeah, the George Floyd and the uh, Jacob Blake shootings. How sports leagues really sent a message saying we're not playing. I wonder if that's going to happen tonight. You've already seen two games do it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if other athletes all across the board got along with this whole thing going here. And it's time. It's time that we the people stick stick it to the man. You know. Mm-hmm. It's, time, it's time that everybody stands up for what is right. Cause a lot of people, and that's another thing too, with this whole thing, like obviously the George Floyd thing was like one of the biggest issues to happen within the last 10 years, probably. And the main reason of that is because it was caught on camera and people saw it with their own eyes where people, so many people probably here in the United States go their whole entire lives without seeing something so horrifying or no, that do- that doesn't happen. Like hearing stories and then not believing it because you you never imagined to see something like that happen, and then you see it, and then you really go and wonder how much does this actually happen? What really needs to happen? And it's just like we we got to stand up, and we deserve like the police do a, a wonderful job. The I'd say probably ninety percent of them are so helpful to the communities that they serve and it'd just be great to see more interaction instead of just driving or like, I remember growing up as a kid, you'd see the cops rolling by like hand out the window, waving, stopping, saying, Hey, how's it going? What are you guys up to? Stuff like that. And it's just like, now it's almost, you see like, a, it's like they have like a militarized appearance to them. The big tough, I'm going to stop you. Like that type of thing where it's like, our taxpayer dollars like support that it's like, they should want to be made. They should want to make the communities as best and as good as that they can be, you know? So like, why wouldn't they want to treat everybody friendly? And like the more friendly you are with the community, the community is going to be like, Oh, that guy's a cool guy. Like he's a cool guy. I'm going to call this guy if something happens. Cause I can trust them, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, there's no trust. There still is no trust from last year's with what happened with all the protests and, no, nothing's really changed. No, and that's I mean, a, thing it was a lot too. of smoke blown at first by the oh, these laws we're gonna do this. It's like they're just blowing smoke. Yeah, you got to stay on them. And that's why too, like it's good to see like these games that are being postponed and like canceled or whatever, like around these like shootings that happen. And essentially, what it is is it's not. It's basically just these organizations agreeing to not let their sport become a distraction because that's all it is at the end of the day the nfl the nba all these organizations are entertainment they're distractions from whatever's fucked up with the world is which is kind of a dark way to say but it is so basically if everybody can get on board and say no we're not playing any games tonight it's bringing awareness to this issue because if you let these games go on People in the back of the head are like, oh, yeah, this shooting happened. This is fucked up. Oh, the Bucks are on. And then for three hours, they're distracted and forget about it. So that's what these organizations are trying to do. These teams are trying to do is bring awareness to these issues by saying, no, no sports today. So that everybody has to educate themselves and make themselves aware of what's going on. Do you think they'd ever cancel an NFL game? I would like to say yes, but unfortunately, I don't think I don't think they would because kind of like we talk about the NFL is kind of its own government. 
where they run the show through COVID. Yes, they've had to take a couple steps back, but at the same time, they haven't really missed a beat. So they kind of just slide some stacks under the table and still do whatever they want. Um, I just wonder if it'd be another Kaepernick situation where you have guys saying, no, playing today is not more important than this issue at hand. And then, okay, you're done from the NFL. Like, I just don't think the teams have enough. I don't think the players have enough balls. You, you need to get multiple people. Unfortunately, Colin Kaepernick, I'm sure he, when he did it, he hear was me out though. They do a strike, say the players all say, we're not going to play. NFL owners go, okay, we'll find the next however many athletes are out there because only 2% of college athletes end up playing pro sports anyway. How many athletes would be dying to come play for our team for $100,000? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they could easily replace all the athletes worldwide. Obviously, their product's not going to be as good. It's not going to be up to that caliber of where they have it now because the athletes aren't going to be as good slash in shape and all that stuff. But, but also how does that make the NFL look us as spectators of the sport? If, if all the players go on a strike and say, we're not playing because we're trying to bring awareness to these social injustices and they go out and say, fine, we'll go out and get other people that makes the NFL look like a bunch of pieces of shit. You know what I mean? I mean, they've done that already multiple times. Yeah, but not at a mass scale. True. True, but like I said, if all of the NFL games stopped for one Sunday, how much money the NFL would lose, dude? That that that's probably. Well, it's 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 such a well because you think about it, the NFL had, plays the least amount of games compared to every other sport. So that, yeah, but that's their why are the biggest and they charge the most for their merchandise. Yeah, it's because they have the least amount of games. So that goes to show why and they don't pay taxes. Why they I wouldn't see them canceling a game or canceling a whole Sunday of games because that's one sixteen. Well, it's like look at it for instance, like somebody who works a regular job, they get twenty-six paychecks a year if they get paid bi weekly, the NFL. They get 16 checks a year, so you well, take it's one of those them. away. They can, they can structure it to get paid like a normal well, person. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying in in like respect in like comparison to that. So it's like like most people don't want to lose one paycheck out of 26. The NFL doesn't want to lose one paycheck out of 16. You know what I mean? So that's kind of that's why it makes sense why they would never probably cancel a game is. As unfortunate as it is to, for them to bring awareness to these issues, they probably would never, they probably never do it. Yeah, they'd lose so much money, dude. They'd probably lose double, if not triple. Like, say, stadiums are full, pumping, operational, packed houses. If they had one Sunday of every single NFL team not playing a game, I think they'd probably lose more money than they lost during this whole COVID thing, probably tenfold. Oh, yeah. Easily, because there would be think, no ratings on television, nothing, zero. Because and you think there's 32 stadiums. That's 32 stadiums that don't have 
bars open, restaurants open, facilities open, hotels. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's that how much the NFL affects with its money is actually insane. Mm-hmm. Like how they have their hand, how they are their own private government, basically that has their hands in almost everything mm-hmm. because they got the cash to do it. Exactly. Oh, All right, here you go. We'll throw your logo up there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. But then, yeah, just really quick about the NHL here before we wrap it up. Um, there will be no hockey talk today. Um, the trade deadline is wrapping up here. So I'm going to do my homework here and I'm going to give a great breakdown for you guys tomorrow about some of the big trades teams that made some good moves. And then, yeah, talk about the sprint for the finish. There's only about 11, 10, 10, 11, 12 games left for some of these teams. So it's getting down to the wire. Races are getting really tight um, after today. I'll be able to tell you guys who made the moves to put themselves in a position to get that cup. Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Um, We'll be breaking down everything for you guys again and keep an eye out for um, an interview or two coming out this week as well. All right. Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Have a good one.